Oh, yeah, we're there. EMQ. EMQU is on the board. We filled that last night of the week for the EMQ locker room. We now have total domination over, I mean, all football, really. Um, it's my mom's favorite podcast, my mom's favorite network. So this is the launch of EMQU. I am finally kind of staking my spot in the universe, and uh, I'm ready to get go, get going, fellas. I, I just want to... fire intro we always have the fire intros for all these shows um props to the man that interrupted anthony i I, yeah i was just about to say that i'm really glad nick that this is your uh, mom's favorite show and favorite favorite podcast network because my mom has never taken an interest in it so (laughs) (laughs) i'm really happy that somebody is Uh, my parents are very interested in it but as easy as it is to find still cannot grasp the concept of how to find it (laughs) uh it's it's actually incredible how hard of a time they have yeah no my 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 dukes is really into it she's actually trying to line up a pretty sizable guest for an interview for us coming up here nice power five quarterback at a program that has been in a lot of turmoil this year so do we have to promise not to ask uh difficult questions yeah we are not allowed to talk (laughs) about their former coach (laughs) so um you talk about ucf uh, <laughs> I don't know if he would know much about. We could talk about Texas. I'm just saying we could work our way around it. <laughs> I was going to say Texas also has a lot of like shamed uh, coaches in the last three, three, four True. seasons. So uh, True. Yeah. Could, could talk a little, uh, little ex Buffalo coaches. But um, like we said earlier, this is EMQU. We are uh, we already had Sundays taken over, and now we're taking over Saturdays too. This is going to be the authority on any college football that we got going on here this year. Uh, this year, um, and we're super excited to get going. So, um, boys, we're going to get right into it. Um, I sent you guys a thing, and uh, it talked about the Nebraska coaching vacancy. Obviously, Nebraska let go of Scott Frost before their game against Oklahoma this week. It did not do them any favors as Oklahoma took care of business and beat them up and down the field um, in a game that I thought was going to be a lot closer. And I gave uh, Nebraska too much credit, and I might have not giving Oklahoma enough credit, uh, a team that really has kind of coming into their own. Brett Venables coming from Clemson really seems to be turning around that defense, um, which has not been the strong suit of Oklahoma. But um, the reason I really wanted to touch on the Nebraska opening is the news that came out this week that they have reached out to Urban Meyer about their coaching vacancy. Um, I personally think that college football is better when Urban Meyer is in it. I think he plays that villain role and uh, really – makes you hate a program, which I think is great for college football because I think so much of it is built on, you know, the hatred and the pageantry and the tradition. And so I think that's good. Um, And I would love to see it. Now, do I think he goes there? I don't know. I don't think Nebraska is as an attractive as job as it may have been in the 90s or early 2000s. Um, I think that the recruiting pipeline has dried up a little bit there. But um, what do you guys think about the possibility of getting Urban Meyer back into the NCAA? Um, well, we know the Nebraska program could use a good kick in the ass. Uh, so <laughs> Urban might be the uh, guy for that. I was going to say, how about a good finger, though? I, I, yeah. I don't know if that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, they might have to open a few new sports bars or just have uh, two planes go to the away games. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, uh, I feel like Urban has, um, in recent years, dug himself quite a hole in terms of how ability to have respect in a locker room. Um, So when he comes back in, you know, obviously the college game is different than the NFL game, but everyone's seen the shit. And uh, I feel like most, most players are going to be snickering behind his back. So, so I don't know. 
Yeah, there was a lot of stories, right, that came out last year of how he's treated players, which we haven't really heard before. We always kind of knew he was kind of a dick, but we never really knew to what like extent. Um, so, yeah, I kind of agree with you, Brendan. I don't, I don't know how he would be welcomed by a college locker room. I mean, he brings a winning pedigree, um, but I, I really wonder. I also saw another kind of a not, – not a controversial choice, but another guy on that coaching wish list of a Billy O'Brien – um, is on the Nebraska wish list as well. Um, interesting uh, guys on their on their wish list. They're going for a certain demo when they're when they're going yeah. for these guys, a certain demographic. Man, they really want to mistreat their players. Yeah. What they really want guys who are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I just want their mind for the pure entertainment of it. Um, he does fake illnesses. Yeah, the top thing true. we actually talked about before he got before he started co- coached a single game with the Jaguars, we said the biggest problem was in college. Anytime they actually lost a game, which is only about once every two years or so, he yeah. would almost die. Yeah, on the sideline because he was incapable of handling a loss. And we said when he joins the Jaguars, they're going to lose a lot. How is he going to be able to handle that? Well, he, third, that, he, could, yeah. he could not handle that. Um, he was began striking players and. Uh, molesting co-eds so uh i mean that, that wasn't quite the collapse on the sidelines thing but uh yeah. ne- nebraska would be an interesting place for him to, to to try and engage in such behavior i think it would be interesting and it, it is interesting you bring up the losing him not being able to handle losses that nebraska right now i don't think is a program that he's going to walk in and turn around overnight i think he's going to have to go through a rebuilding phase and that's going to involve some losses so it'd be interesting to see um, kind of how he would take that. I don't think he ultimately goes to Nebraska. If I'm Nebraska, I'd much more like to look at somebody like a Lance Leopold over in Kansas who really is turning things around there. Um, you just have – I think that's a guy that you could attract more, and he just seems to be more in the spirit of college football what you kind of want to put on the field right now. But it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how they go. And um, it'll be telling, too, where this job goes as to where people see Nebraska as a national brand. You know, obviously in the 90s, they were oh, yeah. one of the top brands. You know, Nebraska, yeah. Oklahoma, didn't matter if you didn't like either teams, that was appointment television. Those old games against Colorado when they were in the Big 8. You know, yeah, Nebraska I just brand. I think it's a hard recruit at this point, though. It's a different world right. out there, and you're selling a kid who all of life is on social media. Hey, we we got some fields and some corn, and uh, yeah. or you could go to, you know, a place with Instagram models and – the beaches and stuff right yeah no i think absolutely and i think that's been their problem and i think that's a large reason why nebraska's in the place they're in right now i think you see some other programs that have that similar issue things like programs like tennessee who um kind of have kind of been on hard times although they're bouncing back a little bit now yeah Um, kind of an underrated move too was when they moved from the big 12 to the big 10 they lost a lot of that like recruiting edge because in inside of the big 12 it was we're like nebraska we're gonna run the ball we're going to jam it down your throat. We're tough. We're hard-nosed, big O-lines. And then they move to the Big Ten, and now every other team in the Big Ten does the same thing right. and has a better brand This and, is going to be, and, and better facilities. And so this on. is going to be a comment for a very niche audience out there. But um, maybe they get a bump from the the deep references in Better Call Saul. If anyone watched Better Call Saul, it, it did a whole episode talking about Nebraska football throughout the oh, entire really? episode. So oh. maybe that. that gives them a bump. Little little uh, social relevance. No, but Anthony, I, I love what you said about moving from the Big 12 because not only did it change kind of, it take away that identity, but you can't go into Texas now and recruit Texas kids and say, hey, yep. you get to play in Texas three, four times a year. Like your family's going to get to see you play at Texas A&M. You're going to play at Texas. You're going to play at Texas Tech. You're going to play at TCU. You can't say that now. Now you go to Nebraska and you're not even playing the good side of the Big 10. You're playing Wisconsin. You're playing Iowa. You're like, you're playing Minnesota. I'll tell you what, son, there's going to be a lot of punt opportunities out there. There are, yeah. So (laughs) special teams, punters, great spot to land. Um, As far as the skill positions, I don't know if Nebraska's a, you know, a marquee name right now. Um, You also underestimate, with the loss of Scott Frost, you mentioned the the Oklahoma game and and how, how ugly it was. The loss of Scott Frost... I think Nebraska boosters might have underestimated his ability to lose by single digits and cover those spreads. Um, Good point. That's out the door now. Uh, now yeah. we get double-digit losses there. That's true. Yeah, no, they they definitely can't keep it uh, 
keep it under wraps this week. Um, so as kind of we move on to that, we move to the other, a few, as we said, this first episode. So we want to go over some of the big things in college football right now. Biggest thing in college football that's come out probably in the last few months is playoff expansion. By 2026, we're going to a 12-team playoff. You know, the way that's I've seen that that's going to be structured is the top six seeds are going to be the five power conference champions. Then the best of the group of five are going to get the top six seeds. The second six seeds are going to be at large. Um, you're going to see those top four teams get buys. Um, I, it's long overdue. I know that the you know the issues have been money. The issues have been bowl tie-ins. You know, the answer to all your questions is always money. But now that we finally got there, I think it's going to do a few things for the sport. One is I think this is going to, in a sport that we see, we're seeing parity come a little bit. You see, you know, some of those Sunbelt Conference teams coming up. And making, we're going to talk about that later. But I think this is just going to add to the parity. Because right now there's four teams and three of them are pretty much decided before the season starts that get to play for a national championship every year. So it's hard to recruit yeah. kids if they're going to be – if you're a program that's in, you know, that 7 to 15 spot and you can't seem to go over the hump like a program that I'm a fan of, I think that's going to give you the opportunity now to say, hey, we can play for a national championship. You come here, we're going to play for a national championship. You know, so I I like that sense of it. I think it's going to open up more opportunities. I think you're going to see kids going to different places that they might not have gone before for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just great for the sport overall. I think it allows a lot of the regular schools to maintain the excitement of their fan base for a much longer period of the season because most fans of major programs now, um, it's just a product of our society, uh, only care about the big picture. So it's harder to motivate a fan, oh, there's a big rivalry game later in the year. If we win that, we had a nice season or like – you know, if, if we win these games, we could win part of our, con you know, a share of a conference, whatever, whatever. But if there's still a potential chance to win your conference, which puts you into the college football playoff, that always gives you an excitement factor for the next game. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people I've seen out there whining and being like, oh, this actually takes away from the regular season. I think it's the total opposite. This makes yep. the regular season much more meaningful for way more teams. But, yeah, it might take away a little from the regular season for those top teams that now can lose a game. Um, but so what? We we were living in a world where only five teams are playing for the championship every year. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, all those, like, you know, just below the top tier teams, even if they drop a game early in the season, no, if we can win our conference title, we're in. Um, and I think that makes everything more exciting. It makes all those conference championships matter on a national stage, which other than a couple of them, they really haven't mattered in a long time. Um, and it also creates the potential, albeit it's still a long shot, but it does create the potential for the first time in college football for real for there to be a Cinderella team at some point. Exactly. Um, which there yeah. just hasn't been a chance for. Because now yeah. that, that one – team that you know Cincinnati made it last year but there's been a lot of them in the past that haven't the UCF etc that yeah, one team Boise. will be yeah. in and they will have a chance to play that big team and so at some point one of them is going to beat them and that yeah. that'll be incredible and plus we get to fill out brackets now I think oh, we're, we're far enough out it's big enough there's brackets and yeah. what mo bigger money maker is there for the NCAA than brackets I love filling out brackets and you kind of touched upon one of my like points which is, I have two. Like one is the is that is that magic that we get with college hoops, where as you said, Brendan, like a team could get hot at the right time. So even though they they lost two really tough out of conference games early, or even a close in conference game, and they're all of a sudden they're two and two, but then they get hot and they win their conference championship and they're in the playoff, and all of a sudden we have that Cinderella team. I think it's also going to force. A, a team like Bama, who's been so dominant, great. Props to Bama, the Georgias of the world, the SEC schools. Was, let's see if you have to beat three top tier teams instead of just waltz in and get you know and have to beat one. I think there's more of a chance for some some parity at that top. Um, and then Nick, you kind of touched upon it, but I also wonder how this is going to affect the uh, recruiting because I think those top tier teams. All these kids come out of high school. They want to play on the big stage. They want the guarantee of I'm going to be on national television. I'm going to be on the big stage, get that NIL money, 
be featured, winning championships, boost my draft stock. And they thought the only way to do that is to go to one of these three schools. Now you can go to those schools like a Michigan State instead of Ohio State and still have a chance to get all the perks that those schools get just because they happen to have the best pipelines and the best recruiting. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it also goes hand in hand with where you're at with the transfer portal right now too. It's going to open up a lot more opportunities. I mean, I think you're going to see a more active transfer portal. Um, I also am interested to see if it's going to have an effect on scheduling. Now scheduling in the future we're going to talk about the next thing we're going to talk about is the conference expansion. So I don't know how much out of conference games you're going to have in the future when you have 14 teams in your conference, 16 teams in your conference. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. But I, I, I would hope it would make some of those bigger schools more apt to play a big out of conference matchup because you know, Hey, we're going to play somebody week one. If we lose that game, our season's not over. Whereas right now, a lot of the time, like, Hey, we don't want to go play somebody because if we get tripped up, our season's over. Like we can't lose yep. a game. So I, 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 I'm just interested to see if it would have an effect on kind of scheduling, and you'd see more of those games. I could see it go both ways because I could also see teams say the goal now is win your conference. Right. Because um, if you win your conference, you're in. So your schedule doesn't matter as much. So don't give ourselves as much of a challenge in the other games. Um. I, so I could see teams go both ways with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other part, the other cool thing it does is it really does make it, you know, we get a 12 team playoff, but it actually makes the playoff even bigger than that because every conference championship game is a playoff game because the winner is in the playoff. So it really broadens it out big time. All those conference championship games are playoff games. Uh, albeit the teams that are already, you know, going to make it, it wouldn't be, but, but sort of just like college basketball is. Um, I mean, it wouldn't, it doesn't branch all the way to the lower conferences, but those big conference championships games are going to be awesome now. Yeah. yeah. As, you know, as we see from Stan. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good point there from Stan Pats. Um, Don't forget though, everyone makes these stupid out of conference schedule. Like half the teams have already agreed to play each other in like 2038. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And like you're saying, those conference championship games, those, those games also get magnified because those top four seeds are so important. Not only are you trying to get the top six seeds, but you're trying to have a little bit of style points so that you can be one of those four buys going into it too. Time. The other cool thing for those other teams, though, that get in is those, the first set of games will be actual home games for the schools, mm-hmm. that's uh, really- which is big money. That's some big-time yeah. money right big there. Money. That's a big incentive as well. Well, yeah. and just the atmospheres at those games is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a national stage for their campuses that they've never had for a lot of like you know mm-hmm. it'd be pretty cool stuff. I'm just very excited about. It. I think it'll bring way more casual fan interest into college football. Um, it, college football has been almost totally hijacked by yeah. four schools, and um, and there's nothing worse than that week pennies. one, man. Nothing yeah. worse than that week one when you've been waiting all year for your team a great and, then they, and then like, they dump a game. A great example it's, even right now would be like Oregon. Oregon gets blasted yep. by Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the 12 team. They just got to win the Pac-12 and they're back in the whole battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right now, I mean, it's over this season. Yep. It's done. You know, yep. but or Oregon had a big bounce back this week, and we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, stop yeah. BYU to death. But like I said, if this was that expanded playoff, they're not even close to done. They're not. No, but, not even. But this year, because Georgia blows their doors off week one, yep. it's it's almost like your whole fan base might as well not show up. However, the Fighting Irish, even in the new format, would still be done. <laughs> yeah. No, well, yeah, they're going to have to join a conference now. I think. <laughs> I, that is true. And speaking yeah. of conferences, the kind of the other big story is. The conference realignment. Obviously, the last year to drop, we saw USC and UCLA will be going to the Big Ten. Um, I still am kind of I I'm torn mm. about how I feel about all of this. Mm. Um, I think as a school, I hate it. Decisions, Anthony, yeah. you hate it. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, the answer to all your questions is money. The Big Ten money, I think, it was just impossible to turn down. Yeah. I I am interested to see though where the line is because. You know, what we were talking about before the show, yeah, USC and UCLA, great football programs. They're going to play in the Big Ten for football. They're also going to now play in the Big Ten for field hockey, <laughs> soccer, volleyball, basketball. basketball. Yep. All yep. these sports that don't get the media attention, don't get anything. Now you who got play, who play way more away games than a yeah. football team does. Yeah. 
if you're yep. a if you're a field hockey player at USC right now, you could present potentially have a week that you're playing a game at Rutgers in New Jersey. Then you got to go to State College, Pennsylvania. Then you got to go to Nebraska. They play. They play like let's say like a women's softball team. A women's softball team in college plays like forty games in yeah. their season. So they're playing twenty games across the country. Yep. Yeah, which is. Yeah. A lot of money. Like, and, so the and money on their you're education, getting. On their education, they're constantly yep. on an airplane. Oh, I don't really, I, I don't really care about that. I, I just, yeah, it's I just really, for, to have four, a little bit more money home games a year yeah. in football. But then you blow it when you have to pay for the travel across country. The other point, um, I, I think they, I think some of the teams that have done this did it not realizing they were going to expand to this 12 team playoff because now if you're like, um. If you're a team that left the Big 12 or the Pac-12, yeah. don't you actually want to stay in it to oh, be able to an, win yeah. that conference to get you in the playoff? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. if you're USC, you want to have to go through Corvallis, Oregon, and Eugene, Oregon, and Washington State instead of having to go through Ann Arbor, Columbus, yeah. Penn State. It's like, an absolute gauntlet to win yeah. that. The yeah. SEC, SEC and Big Ten – are going to be almost impossible to win. Now the pack, the pack 12 and ACC are a cakewalk like compared yeah. to that. Yeah. No, we're talking about that. I mean, as a fan, I get USC, Ohio state every year. I get USC, Michigan every year. Like as a fan, I, I love it. And especially yeah. as a, you know, a college basketball fan too, that's going to be really cool. I mean, you got big 10 is going to be a heck of a college basketball conference now too. I mean, you're adding UCLA, a team that's been, you know, on the verge of national championships to that. Um, I just think it's going to do so much as a fan. I love it, but it's just, but if, it's you're, weird. if you're Oklahoma and Texas, aren't you trying to withdraw your application to the SEC? Yeah. Right quickly now? be yeah. like, Hey, we didn't actually mean that. We, we didn't actually mean that. We never actually, you never actually yeah, that. you've got, you've got a <laughs> almost nothing in your way to the, to the playoff right now. If you stay yeah. in the big 12 every year, right. and that just immediately makes you a powerhouse. Yep. Yeah. Where and, the SEC, you, you got to get through yeah. almost impossible thing to get through, and you're never going to make it because you're going to lose three or four games a year in that conference. Yeah, now I absolutely hate it, and I'll tell you why I hate it. Because I'm obviously a Michigan fan, huge Michigan fan, but I get the matchups like USC Michigan's cool. I just maybe this is just me being too old or school with how I like football and maybe too petty about the West Coast, like you know, like elites moving into the Big Ten, but. To me, the Big Ten Conference has always held a bit of like a higher like standard of just old school football. Like it's, you got your Penn States, your Ohio States, your Michigan States. It's, and it's three hard-nosed. yards in a cloud of dirt, man. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's like hard-nosed, cold-weather football. And now nothing we gotta, says Big Ten like UCLA. That's what I'm saying. Now <laughs> we got to share that with like the West Coast, like elite. The powder blues. I, it just, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well. I feel like it tarnishes the history that I, of the Big Ten that I love, it's still going to be fun to watch and all that. But to me, it's like, get out of our conference. Like, UCLA you is your own the least thing. Big Ten school on earth. Absolutely. It makes zero sense from that standpoint. But I, I get the money piece. As a fan, I hope they get their doors blown off. by. I'll even cheer for like an Ohio State over UCLA because get out of our conference. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. I but. think a big noon kickoff with Maryland UCLA is going to have you singing a different tune. Just a classic, <laughs> a classic Big Ten matchup. Uh, U- let me see. Uh, Rutgers Maryland. against USC. Yeah, it's like Rutgers against USC. Big game. Yeah. Big game. What a joke. I oh. can't wait till the conferences are so big that when they split them into two divisions, the one division is just called the Big Ten and the other is called like the Pac-10. Yeah. The rest of yeah. the <laughs> Pacific. Yep. And now and now for like the record. Well, I'm maybe they'll also... call one the Big East and the Big West. It's funny you mentioned. I'm just going to mention that because like I was on record of hating the teams that moved out of like the Big East. I hated that because yeah. I loved the, Big, the East. Big East within the Big Ten. Right. When it was like UConn and Miami and Syracuse. And I, I love that. And then they all like went to the ACC and I'm like, I kind of hate that. <laughs> you know, like I, I liked some of the classic feels of those conferences, which I feel now they're it's a bit watered down the way the teams are just moving like it's an AU game. I remember when Jim Beheim called uh, Boston College and Miami and Virginia what a, Tech what like traitors ruining the sport, and then a year later, Syracuse went with them. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Beheim. What a jerk. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I get both those points. I out. cannot wait for the play, the 12-team playoff, though. 
I oh. can't. This thing, yeah. though, where they, they announce it and then don't do it for forever, well, just do and it. It's, it's so wishy-washy, too. Like, it's going to happen by 2026. Yeah, just right. do it now. Right. Give me a break. Yeah. Do it right now. It could just right. pop up and do it. Like, like You can do it. Here. Just Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, getting into our next part. So, we were going over a few of the EMQ athletes. I was going to do a roundup. Unfortunately, our friend Rocky Lombardi suffered an injury this yeah. weekend. Yeah. His game, a um, little bit of the EMQU. No EMQ curse. No EMQ. No, he was curse. he was crushing it before he got hurt too. He was, and they've been having a great season. Rocky Lombardi, talk about a guy who really uh, just benefited from the transfer portal rule rules. Now, you know, he wasn't. He was starting at Michigan State. They got some guys come in. He wasn't going to get a chance. Went to NIU, and he's been putting up big numbers there. So, you know, best wishes to Rocky out there. Hopefully, hopefully, it's a speedy recovery. Yeah. Um, I Teams got Kentucky this weekend, so it does gonna... show you though. You leave the major conferences, and the the Wi-Fi really drops. I was just gonna say that was the only that was the only bad like part yeah. of the transfer was <laughs> that Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah, we need to talk to uh, NIU about the NIU Wi-Fi. Not not as not as good as the uh, the MSU Wi-Fi. They're still using like an Ethernet cable, so we got to. Yeah, he was right. looking for an Ethernet cable. At the He's got to plug in. You got to plug in. Plug it yeah. in, baby. I do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, best wishes of him. Um, so looking at this weekend now, uh, I wanted to start with, I think the team that made the biggest statement this weekend was Penn state, a big 10 team mm. went down to Auburn and I get Auburn's having a tough year, um, Gave a little spanking, not what they are, but going in Auburn, Alabama is never easy. And they walked out of there with a 41, 12 victory. Um, their defense looked really good. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. looks like a player out there. Um, they were swarming to the ball, getting after the quarterback, forcing turnovers. That Penn State defense is legit, um, and I think they just they they made a big statement this weekend, um, beating Auburn and doing it in such a decisive fashion. Nick, I I just, I just want to get your uh, thoughts. As someone who follows the Big you know Ten closely. Do you have faith that this Penn State team is going to be different when it comes to the big games in conference, which they typically yeah. dump in the, in, in the years past? So the thing that worries me about this Penn State team is Sean Clifford at quarterback. Mm, I yeah. don't know if they're not out in front, if the, if Sean Clifford can come back and win them a game. Um, even you look at Auburn, I think he had like 157 yards, no touchdowns. He just managed the game. Their running attack was great. Um, they had Nick, Nick, Nick Singleton. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, oh, Nick, yeah. He looked and, awesome. And Kate and Allen. Um, two yeah. touchdowns. He's Singleton. I think he had a buck 42 on like. He 10. looked awesome. I like that yeah. Singleton kid. Now, so, I do want to give Sean props, though. I, I have a I have a friend, and she went to Penn uh, State, and she got to meet Clifford out, out at like a bar. And mm -hmm. he came right over, and he was playing games with them all night, was drinking with them, just like a regular guy. And then he just like played the very next day and like yeah. beat and like whooped up on some teams. So I want to give Sean Clifford a shout out. I don't trust you in a big game, but if you're going to come drink with the boys, I mean, all right. <laughs> the other thing with Clifford right now is I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. They do have a five-star uh, freshman quarterback at Penn State right now oh. that fans are already clamoring for, um, and that's even with Penn State being where they are right now. So if at any point there's some adversity or things go south, I think there's going to be some loud calls for Sean Clifford mm. to be the starting quarterback there. I gotta look up his name. I forgot it. Yeah, yeah I, Penn State looked good. I, I had a minus two, so I was pretty pleased with the performance. That's two years in a row that they've absolutely stomped out Auburn. So they, they definitely covered that for you. Credit to that. Yeah. So I mean, again, big against them. Um, also, big props to them for going out. I mean, their first so their first week they played Purdue, um, but then going out and scheduling at Auburn. Um, you know, it's nice to see teams go out there and schedule schedule big games against power five teams. Yeah, That's a cool matchup. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That definitely wasn't a veiled shot at Anthony's Michigan Wolverines who, Hey, we play who's on the schedule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you, make you, you do make this, you're Michigan. You can schedule whoever the hell you want. But, and, and to that, <laughs> hey, I would agree. You played against like, uh, what, what's that made up high school that played last year? Uh, Bishop. Uh, yeah, you played against them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you played them again. No, it's an absolute it's an absolute pansy of a of an actual scheduling, but to our point earlier, I can see why they did it, right? It's because oh, yeah, they're like they lose if they play like a regular right. shit team. Like we, yeah, if we're going to why would we schedule Georgia lose to Georgia and then 
have to run the table in that's, the Big Ten. That's absolutely true. Yeah, which I mean, if you're that's, in a good enough conference where if you yeah. you just need to win your games, you're in. Why make it harder? Exactly, yeah. and and I would love to see an out of conference game. That's cool, and we and we've had some. I mean, last year there was a game out of we played against Washington. That was a cool game. Yeah. all the way to Seattle. This year, uh, yeah, but, not a very uh, tough uh, scheduling tough like that though. Penn State now, you know, has a leg up on you in terms of yeah. Yep. And I think I mentioned this to Anthony just talking to him the other day. I think the other thing it does is now when Michigan plays Maryland this weekend, that Maryland team is way better than anything they've seen. Oh, this that's, that's very true. It's going to be like a culture adjustment. Yeah, yeah the step up's going to be huge, and it will be interesting, especially early in that game, to see if uh, how that affects them. Yeah. Um, some other stuff this weekend. We talked about the big bounce back weekends. I thought there were two teams that had really big bounce back wins this weekend. Um, the first was Texas A&M coming off that loss um, they had to Appalachian State, playing against a, a good Miami team this week. Um, they really showed why they have the number one recruiting class, and that defense has some athletes on it. I thought their offense still wasn't quite up to par. Um, Max Johnson coming in, I think he's a better game manager, so I think it was a good choice to go to him for the starter. Um, they ended up winning, I think, 16-9. to nine. Um, But – defensively they looked like a formidable appointment a, a, a top 10 defense um it's, it was just kind of an ugly game um but they were able to get a tough uh, a tough victory against miami yeah and real real quick on that team i love that miami team this year i know now because of what we talked about they have to probably run that table to have any shot at a outside playoff berth or even the acc championship but tyler van dyke is an nfl quarterback i like him a lot He's got the prototypical frame. He's got a strong arm. And if his wide receivers caught three passes at the end of that game, he threw three great balls to extend that extend that final drive right in the guy's hands, and they just couldn't catch him. Kind of disappointing to see that end like that. But props to AM. Devin uh, Shane, am I pronouncing the last name correctly? I've heard it a couple a couple ways, but he was incredible bouncing off tacklers. So credit to, to Texas AM. I have a feeling that they are gonna get stomped when they play Bama. But okay. Yeah. I have a feeling that um, they're going to have to stop doing the late night stand up routine before the games because, by golly, good good lord, is that embarrassing? Mm. I didn't actually see that. What, what Apparently, is they've been doing that for forever, um, but someone decided to put it out on the internet, and uh, oh man, it it's, is it's it actually is two weeks comedy. in a row. We've seen it now. The whole internet has seen it. So uh, if you ever watch a Texas A and M game, you'll see these guys in a bunch of white costumes. They look like milkmen running up and down they're called the yell leaders and they lead the chance for the students and they have a meeting before the game where basically it seems like they just roast whoever they're playing yeah it's called something late night something or the night before but a lot of those roast jokes didn't quite land when they lost to appalachian state yeah and it was all about calling them like hicks and hillbillies (laughs) and stuff it was really and then the one about miami was just ridiculous well, you're also you, – you go to Texas A&M. The A's yeah. is agriculture. Yeah. So I don't know why we're go, going against these people for being X. Like, your whole school is based on that type of person. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yep, that's, that's interesting. Wow. No, no it's not. Mm-hmm. But, um, Anthony, you did bring up – the ACC sneaky is going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think you mentioned Miami. They're coming on strong. NC State's got a good team this year. Um, yeah. We're going to see Wake Forest and Clemson go together this weekend. Yeah, uh, Pitt is still fun. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt's still yeah. there. Um, so I think, I mean, even your basement dwellers, I mean, they're not a good team, but Georgia Tech's better than they've been in years past. Florida yeah. State had a big win over Louisville. Florida State hasn't looked terrible. So I think the ACC in general is up. When I think a couple of the other conferences are down a little bit this year. Yeah. Um, and another conference I think is up, um, is the PAC 12, um, Oregon, huge bounce back game this week again against uh, a a good BYU team that didn't look good. They didn't look good. No, but you know, who did look good was Bo Nix and Bo Nix reminded people that he is the most Jekyll and Hyde quarterback out there. Bo Nix can single-handedly win you a game. He can also single-handedly lose you a game. Well, um, Bo Nix has been playing college football as long as Tom Brady's been playing NFL football. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I, I think Bo Nix is uh, – he was in the same class as Carl uh, Krause. Well, he was grandfathered in. Class. He has such a college QB name that they just <laughs> let him play forever. 
It's not really a pro name. He's got to, he's got to he stay gets in college to be for a the, while. Like it's it's actually it's not the same guy. It's like a name that passes down, like the Dalai Lama. <laughs> There's always got to be a Bo Nix. <laughs> no, I mean after after week one, you had you know a lot of people writing the obituary for Oregon as a program after the way they looked against Georgia, um, which I think at this point we can say said a lot more about Georgia than it did about Oregon. Oh. Um, we're going to talk about Georgia in a second, just the absolute runaway train that they are. But I, I think Oregon's showing the ability to come out there and get embarrassed on a national stage, and then two weeks later come out against a, a highly ranked team and just put a hurting on them. I mean, I think it shows a lot about where Mario Cristobal has that program right now. Or not, sorry, not Mario Cristobal. Um, he left that program. Um, but it just shows where their head's at. The yeah, fact they don't like him there. No, they don't like him anymore. Um, he lost to Texas A&M. But... Uh, <laughs> Just the fact that you can go out there and get embarrassed, and then two weeks later come out and embarrass another top ten, uh, top I think they're top twelve team. Um, yeah. It just shows that you know anything can happen on any given week, and um, also how good Georgia is. And I'm I, I'm pretty sure the Oregon coach was from the Georgia staff. Thank um, If he came over from Georgia, so it was almost <laughs> like two like they had to play Georgia because I mean those games are scheduled years in advance. They had right. to play Georgia the year they get a Georgia coach who then the other team knows probably all that guy's tendencies and things like that. <laughs> and then they just came out and ran him out of the field. But, yeah. But as we talked about with the ACC, the Pac-12 all of a sudden doesn't look like it has in the past year. I mean, you have Oregon showing promise. You have USC has got a great team this year. Um, Utah had a tough early loss, but they're still going to be a player in the Pac-12. Oregon State has looked really good this year. You had Washington State go out and beat Wisconsin. We had Washington this weekend look really good against Michigan State. Um, yeah. Now, much of that is Michigan State not being as good as people think. Um, we could talk about that, but they yeah, got, got no no warning from the group on that one. No, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I no. Uh, put put a few bucks on Michigan State there. At, uh, yeah, we were all on the same boat. <laughs> didn't work well. Michael Penix looked like a little he warning. Indiana two years ago, and not how he looked at Indiana last year. Oh, is that where he is now? Michael Penix, yeah, he's out of Washington now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. yeah, he he ripped the Michigan. transfer portal. Really screws you up. It it's really up. does. I I didn't know he had. Things left, get though. very confusing. Uh, I know he had gotten like seriously. I'm not used to college football free agency. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the other part of the transfer portal is it's not just like everybody's doing the transfer portal for a fifth year. So, yeah, like, I know. Nick's I'm not graduate. used to it at all. So yeah. there's some guy who you saw for four years on one team be on yeah. a different team. You're like, what? And it's also, it just changes college football. Because I know for my own Michigan fandom, we had the choice of J.J. McCarthy or Kate, or, or Kate McNamara, who just led you to, a, you know, final, final four. But you had to go with J.J. One, he's the better athlete. He can give you more on the field. But also, if you didn't, he was just going to pack his bags and go. And you're going to lose a top-tier quarterback because you didn't want to play him. So it, it creates a whole weird thing where if you don't get these guys playing time as freshmen, you have to think about, are they going to go? It's also interesting to see how the coaches handle uh, preseason position battles too. Like how early are you going to call it? Or are you going to do it purposely late? So your guy doesn't have a chance to leave or are you <laughs> yeah. gonna early so that you give your guy a chance to leave. So it's very interesting to see how the different coaches navigate that situation. Yeah. Um, so as we talked about earlier, uh, Georgia, I mean, right now it looks like Georgia clear one. And then I don't, really know what's going on what's going on behind them um they've outscored opponents so far this year 130 to 10 and that is including oregon who we just saw as a pretty good team um and an sec opponent south carolina they had sanford in between there um south carolina obviously not the greatest of sec opponents but it's still a power five team and you've still outscored your opponents 130 to 10 um that defense looks like a runaway train right now. So I don't right now, I don't know who's going to stop them. It's interesting. A lot of people came into the season and it was a two team race, right? It was Ohio state and Alabama. And then, Oh yeah, Georgia won last year. We'll see what they do. And right now Georgia's taking the reins as the number one team and they're running with it. Their schedule. I've just, I had to bring up their schedule for my own sake. It's a cakewalk too. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as much as the sec can be, but I mean, their next two games are Kent state and Missouri. Mm-hmm. Don't sleep on those Tigers now. Then they got Auburn and then Vanderbilt. So Yeah. So the big test for the the only test I really see for them in the East is 
maybe Kentucky will give them a game, but I think Tennessee is the second best team in the East right now. Oh, okay. And then Hooker is a good enough quarterback that he might be able to do something against them. But yeah, the SEC East um, is Georgia and then kind of everybody else right now. Uh, So we'll see kind of how they navigate that. Um, It is interesting kind of the way their schedule breaks down that they're now going back to Kent State or play at Kent State like that. Um, But right now it's just interesting to think of, is anybody going to be able to beat Georgia? When usually everybody's saying, can anybody beat Bama? Georgia is the new Alabama. But every year a a team has a game where they're not quite up to their, their a game and another team plays their best game. So there's plenty of Florida can give Florida can certainly give them Mm. a game. Um, Yeah. It's out there. I might feel a little bit different about Florida than I do. Um, I'm not saying they're going to, I said they could. No, they, I think you heard it here first. Brennan just said Florida's going to beat Georgia. Yeah, the yeah. big Cajones. Not what I said. Not what he I just said. Threw down a hog. He just threw down a <laughs> big old hog flop there. Um, I did want to take a chance to shout out. I mean, you talk about the big guys all the time, but the Sun Belt Conference. Um, you know, I've been seeing the Fun Belt. It's beating everybody, but they are going they're out. Beat the doors off the off the league. <laughs> Appalachian State went out, beat Texas A and M. Should have beat North Carolina. Too. I wish they won that North Carolina game oh. so bad now. Yep. Um, you got Coastal Carolina, who they haven't they beat Army this year, who Army's got a decent team. But Coastal Carolina, the last couple of years, a team that I believe has only been a Division One program for less than a decade. Yeah, and has, they've lost like two games in the last yeah, just forever. Going out and making a statement. You have Georgia Southern went and beat Nebraska. Now, say what you will about Nebraska, it's a Power Five team. You had Marshall go out, they beat Notre Dame. You had Old Dominion go. They beat Virginia Tech. And even South Alabama last week should have beat UCLA. UCLA got lucky at the end of that game. So the parody that we talked about earlier really rearing its head, especially in the Sun Belt. So shout out Sun Belt. People are asking, should the Sun Belt get an automatic bid into the 12-team playoff? Appalachian State's a real team this year. Appalachian State has, for most schools – had the top three games that would that school would have in their history in the first three <laughs> games of the season this year. It's actually crazy the three games they have played. You know, while we're on that, you know, talking about some of the low, you know, some of the lower tier conferences mm-hmm. and how they're playing, I want to give a shout out to another EM EMQV athlete here, Miles Hastings of the Big yeah. Sky Conference for UC yeah. Davis through three games. 785 yards and seven touchdowns and a rating of 137. He's he's balling out there, and he's got a big game this Saturday against our Weaver guys. State. Just sling it. That's what we do. We only really get guys who sling it. That's what we, we do. do. Slingers only. Slingers only, baby. Is he wearing our? He's got. He's got to wear our merch for it, though. Yeah, I asked him to wear it during the actual game. Fit it on over the pad. Put it I got over you the an XL. <laughs> like he's a goalkeeper in soccer or something. He's got a different shirt. <laughs> the we'd make, we'd make headlines. That could get us some headlines. That'd be amazing. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so uh, a little fun here, guys. We're going to play, you know, we were talking about before the show that really our, our love of college football, really early 2000s, mid-2000s, late-2000s, that's when we were kind of peaked. That was when we were growing up and we were all into it. So I'm going to see how much you guys know. I have three guys here who I'm going to give you some hints, some clues, and uh, we're going to see if you can figure out who I'm talking about. The All these guys played were major college football players from 2000 to 2010. Um, you're going to get specific years when you hear – um, this and I will say that this is gonna we're gonna tweak this a little bit. I wanted to see kind of where the difficulty level would be, so I think I have three levels of difficulty here, um, and we're gonna kind of go. So, so this I, is so this is almost like an S back test where it's gonna adjust the next questions based on how I answer. Whoa, yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> which which tier standardized? Here? It's <laughs> Nick's just doing an actual like standardized. This test is a game that is here. like <laughs> there are certain areas in which I'd be awesome at it. It's just yep. like I. There's like a three-year window of college basketball that I think I know every player who played, but you have to hit that right window. Yeah. Uh, same thing with this. We'll see how it goes. Nick, is this just a uh, first one of us to know who the guy is? Shout it out. Sure. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, so player one, I came in second in Heisman voting in 2002 to winner Carson Palmer. 2002. Oh boy. I was a two-year starter in the Big Ten, and I'm cousins with Anquan Bolden. Although I lost the Heisman to a quarterback, I did win the 2002 Davey O'Brien Award for Most Outstanding Quarterback. At my Troy, Troy Smith. 
No. Enforcement oh. was a little bit later. Um, my tight end was Dallas Clark, and my defense was led by Bob Sanders. I went undrafted out of college, but was you know great- what Anthony? I know the I I know the school. It, it's going to be it's it's uh, going to be Iowa. Yeah, I know. Um, I just is it? But, uh, I can't think of who the quarterback is. I, maybe I'm dumb. One more hint: I was undrafted out of college, but was briefly signed by Washington before enjoying a six-year CFL career. Iowa quarterback. 2002. They lost the Orange Bowl to USC that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, Iowa quarterback. It's gonna. It's you're gonna say the guy's name, and we're and we're both gonna go like, oh yeah, yeah I'm, bl- I'm blank. That's the guy. Yeah, who is it? The Brad Banks. Oh, Brad man. Banks. Yeah, I remember Brad Banks. Lord, yeah. Have mercy. All right, so that he was the second for the Heisman. That was the hardest. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. What a great year. Yeah, he did. Um, all right, so that was the hardest. This is the middle one. I liked it. I no, I like that. That was perfect level difficulty. I. All right. 2002 is just a little too a little too early for me to always know all the deeper cuts. 16. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the second player here, I was fourth in Heisman voting in 2006 after having a stellar sophomore season in the Big East. I was a three-year starter and I ranked second all-time in the Big East for career rushing touchdowns with 50. A teammate of mine is fourth with 47. After skipping my senior year, I was drafted in 2008 89th overall by the Houston Texans. I am tied with Willis McGahee for the most points in one game by a non-quarterback with 36 when I scored six touchdowns in a game. I ended up playing four seasons in the NFL, three with Houston and Slayton. Correct. It is Steve. Nice. Virginia. Well done. I was like, I was like, oh wait, it's West Virginia. I was trying to come through the Big East. I was like, oh, that's what I was doing in my head. I was like, yeah, at that time. I was like, what Big East? Houston Texan. I got there. Yeah. Steve. I remember Steve. Steve Uh, Slayton. Steve Slayton. Teammate Pat White is uh, Pat White. Yeah, that Pat White team. That was that was quite a club. And then maybe the most watched highlight video, high school highlight tape of all time, Noel Devine. Oh yeah, yes. Noel Devine, the little little scooting, little scooting all over the place. He looked like uh, Kyler Murray playing running back. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so there you go. You guys are one for two, and uh, this is player number three. This is the one I thought was the easiest, but we'll see. Oh, okay. So player number three, I came in second in Heisman voting in 2009 in one of the closest races of all time to fellow running back Mark Ingram. I did, however, win the 2009 Dilk Walker Award in the Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year Award after I led the NCAA with 28 rushing touchdowns. Uh, Toby Gearhart? Toby Gearhart is the answer. Nice. Yeah, Let's go. Toby Let's go. I remember that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so remember that guy. Toby. He was fun. He Toby was Gearhart fun. was absolute. electric. Yeah. An absolute truck. <laughs> When looking at uh, played for uh, Jacksonville in the NFL, right? Yeah. So he played 82 games, 2010 to 2015 with Minnesota and Jacksonville. Minnesota. And too, brother yeah. Garth is an offensive lineman for the Browns. Garth. Garth Gerhard. Wow, what a name! <laughs> wow. Toby Gerhard was a freaking truck. Yeah. Toby yeah. Gerhard was Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey was Christian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was really Peyton Hillis before Peyton Hillis. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Who was really just really after Mike Allstott. So Mike yeah, Allstott yeah. was Toby Gerhardt before Toby Gerhardt was Peyton Hillis. Yeah. yeah. Six degrees of seven uh, of Kevin Bacon with white running backs. Six <laughs> degrees of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's Those that's really a- good. Those were perfect difficulty level of each tier. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, so that uh, we're gonna do that every week. Remember that guy? A little throwback to uh, so that was week one. A little throwback to our kind of uh, niche in our our time growing up. So uh, last part of here, I, I kind of want to look at some of this week's big games. Um, there, it's not a great slate this weekend. Um, I think there's some sneaky games, and I'll get into that when I I put somebody on upset watch later. But uh, the games we kind of want to look at now. The first one was. Florida, Tennessee is this weekend. Uh, we were just talking about the SEC East. This is going to go a long way to uh, decide who is going to be that kind of that second spot in the SEC East. 
Um, both teams this year have a signature win. Florida took care of Utah week one. Um, and uh, Tennessee was able to take down Pitt in overtime. Um, but the interesting thing about both their signature wins is we don't know kind of how good the team they beat was. We're kind of still – the jury's still out on Utah. The jury's still out on Pitt on how good they are going to be this year. Um, Tennessee opens as 11-point favorites at home. 11 uh, points. Wow. Okay. They come in 3-0, and yeah. So um, looking at this game, I think Tennessee – with Hendon Hooker is a team that can really move the ball up and down the field and they do it fast. When you look at Florida, the strength of their team is definitely their defense. But one of the weak parts of their team is their depth. Um, And you can credit that to the recruiting from Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain over the last few years that has definitely left a little to be desired. So when you have a team like Tennessee who is going to keep you on the field and is going to move at a pace, you want this to game in Tennessee. This game is at Neyland Stadium in Tennessee. Oh, so you're also liable to be like hit by flying objects and stuff throughout the game. Very true. <laughs> that's very true. So that's where I think I think this game is close for a while, and then I think that defensive depth is going to catch up to Florida, and I think Tennessee pulls away at the end. I think 11 is a good spread. I think Tennessee wins this game by 10 to 14. Tennessee, a fan base of petulant children. Um, it's very, it'll be very interesting if anything goes wrong at all. They lose their absolute minds. They think it should be handed to them. Um, both teams have very mobile runaround quarterbacks. Um, Hooker likes to pull his hamstring. Uh, he did that a lot last year. <laughs> um, Anthony Richardson doesn't know whether he's good or not. It's true. Uh, it, it should be interesting. I don't know. He had he has such flashes of being great. I think Florida can give him a game. Uh, I, if it was if it wasn't in Tennessee, that's a very hostile environment. Um, I think Tennessee will will squeeze out a close game here. Yeah, I, shootout, shootout. I'm, I'm leaning towards Florida in this game only because I I've seen in years past, and I mean like the last three four years, Tennessee is so prone to drop in a game like this where they probably should have won. And it's all of a sudden you you blink and it's 38, 30, 35, and they just lost. Um, so I'm going to say uh, Florida comes in there. And Anthony Richardson, this is one of the games that he plays well. And I think Florida Florida gets the win. So Tennessee, I think that game's coming out for Tennessee. I just don't think it's this week. Um, yeah, this is too prominent a name for them to be. They have to drop it to like Missouri or something, something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So- the next game, or like, do they have an out of conference game against like Purdue or something like that? They'll lose that. No, they already <laughs> against Pitt in overtime. So yeah, that's fun. Um, but they have a couple sneaky games uh, that come before big games. Um, so I think the week before they play Alabama, they play uh, Kentucky, and I think that could be a little bit of a trap right there. Well, that, yeah, that against uh, Will Levi. That's just an awesome yeah. game too. That is a great game. Yeah. Um, next game we're going to look at, uh, obviously one that's close to the heart of one of our guys here. Clemson at Wake Forest. Clemson, I've seen seven and a half. I've seen eight um, as they kind of open up as favorites there. An over, which I think is interesting, a 55 and a half. When you look at this game, obviously Clemson has the dominant defense, um, but it's going to be, we're going to have to see what what does DJ do? Uh, Because Wake Forest doesn't have a great defense, but Wake Forest is going to be the best offense that Clemson's seen. And if Clemson does have a weakness on defense, it's in their secondary um, we even saw him give up some big pass plays to Georgia Tech. So it'll be interesting to see how Sam Hartman can exploit that. But Sam Hartman also needs to show that he can finish a game. The two biggest uh, defenses he's faced, Clemson last year and Pitt in the ACC Championship, he's falling apart at kind of the end of the game. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, Brendan, what are you thinking about this game? Yeah, I mean, Clemson's front seven on defense is like literally an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually insane. Uh, Clemson's defense is is, in, is probably – one of the best three defenses in the country. Um, they're a ridiculous team. They're going to have four to five guys go in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, Clemson's problem is just, are they going to be able to do offense today is mm-hmm. the question that has become the question for them for the last two years. Um, if they're going to be able to do offense, they'll be fine and win the game. That's pretty consistent. For the last two, They hold everyone to below 20 points for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I think Clemson will win this game, but I think it will be uh, a close game because they, because of their struggles and because this is a team that can score, so they're not going to be able to win 17-7. to 7. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a game that, that 
hopefully Wake Forest defense is bad enough that Clemson scores on them and Clemson's defense takes advantage of the fact that they are just athletically superior and can dominate up front, uh, which I think will happen. Um, also, fun note, I don't know. Uh, Dabo has just embraced that the, the team is about him now. It's just about him exclusively. I don't know if you've seen him run down the hill, um, but yeah. that man, that man's head is the size of uh, the size of countries. Oh man. Yeah, I, mean, I would uh, got out the door. He was like, it's just me now, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh in this game, I I just am not have not been impressed with Clemson's quarterback situation since they obviously went up moved on from you know Trevor uh, Lawrence. I feel like the better quarterback isn't playing right now. Um and this is from what I've seen of my man there, uh DJ. I just think that the better guy is the, the guy that's behind him, and he, they should probably make a Cade, switch. Cade Glubnik. Yeah, but uh, everyone with, wants him to play. Everyone and the Clemson fandom is just like, just play him. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything from from DJ that screams like DJ had that really nice game against Boston College two years ago, and everyone thinks that that game is showing up again. Yeah, and with that said, it could be in this game because of the way that Wake's defense is going to present itself but i feel like hartman's he's a veteran i feel like he's gonna make enough plays against the game clemson defense and as brendan said you're not winning this game if you're clemson you're not gonna win it seven seventeen seven you're gonna have to they're doing that a lot but yeah yeah. you're gonna have to win a game in probably the high 20s um i kind of like wake in this one i don't know if that's even really like an upset because they're both pretty comparable i know ranking wise it's an upset but I kind of like Wake in this one. I mean, yeah. it is an upset program-wise and, and roster-wise. Right. Clemson is literally, I mean, like I said, they're going to have four or five guys go in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah. This team should not be a single-digit favorite against a team yeah. like Wake Forest, realistically. There's something wrong there offensively that I can't believe they haven't fixed. Um, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, that is a realistic prediction. Yeah, you mentioned Sam Hartman. He is a veteran quarterback. He's put up big numbers. He doesn't have that signature moment, though. He's beat up on some of the other ACC teams, but he doesn't have that kind of coming out party moment. Um, I don't know if it's going to be this weekend. That Clemson defense is just so good. That pass rush is so good. The front seven is so good that they're going to make – now, Wake Forest is already pretty one-dimensional. They don't run the ball very much but they're not going to be able to run the ball at all. So it's really going to come down to Sam Hartman. I think Clemson wins this game, but I think Wake Forest keeps it in the number. Um, mm-hmm. That over-under, too, at 55.5, and I think is a little bit telling because um, it keeps dropping. And I, for Clemson to cover, it's going to be interesting how that kind of works now. But um, I like Wake Forest to keep it within the number, but I think Clemson ekes out a, 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 a close victory. Um, all right, the last game we're going to talk about uh, over at Jerry World Cowboy Stadium, uh, Arkansas against Texas A&M. Uh, that's not safe. All three of us can sling it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Spencer, shout out. Not we shout just out. would all be hurt very quickly, but we can sling it. I could throw a good screen pass and simul- simultaneously tear both of my ACLs yeah. trying, to, trying to throw We'd all be hurt very quickly. <laughs> Not from being hit, just from moving. No, mine would always be like a non-contact <laughs> uh, injury. That's that's how it's going to go down for me. So, yeah, uh, looking at Arkansas, Texas name, a theme this week, who's second best on each side? You know, we're, we had the Tennessee-Florida uh, game, see who's second best in the East. Now, this, kind, this game is going to tell us who's going to challenge Bama out in the West right now. Um, Texas A&M coming off a big win against Miami after falling to Appalachian State. And then Arkansas with a couple uh, decent wins – so far this season, they beat up on Cincinnati. Um, that Arkansas again. This is going to be a game played on tempo. Arkansas wants to stay on the field, or stay on the field, move the ball quick, get up and down. I think for Texas A&M, the big key is going to be on offense. Can you sustain drives? Can you keep your defense off the field long enough so they're not going to get worn down in the third and fourth quarter like we see Arkansas do to so many teams? So I think really that's going to be the key. Of this game is can Texas. A&M's offense stay on the field, uh, put together drives, and keep that time of possession more even. I'm pumped to talk about this game. Um, Arkansas offense is like my favorite unit in the country. K.J. Jefferson is a absolute monster of a human being playing quarterback for that team. Um, 
just a truck, an absolute truck of a human. Uh, he reminds me, I'm not saying that he is. He reminds me of Cam Newton in his like style of play. So you heard uh, it here first. Brennan just said he is Cam Newton. But he's like got that build and and kind of uh, approach to to playing quarterback. Arkansas is so fun to watch. I love watching Arkansas play offense. Um, and so I'm wildly biased in their favor. Uh, there, some game last year, I just became obsessed with watching them. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I think Arkansas is going to give them a give them a real battle here. I would I would agree. I'm on I'm on with you there. I think Texas A&M I think squeaks this one out, just because I think that they probably got some of the things that were going wrong for them against Appalachian State right uh, last week against the Miami team. Uh, but Arkansas, this is yeah, this is definitely not going to be a layup coming off of that game. Um, not that anybody thought it would be. Arkansas is a ranked football team. I think A&M wins the game, but I think it's really close, like 24-23 type kind of game. Arkansas, I know the game you're talking about, Brendan. It was last year. It was against Kentucky, I believe. Arkansas and Kentucky. and it yeah, was They had a, a couple great ones shootout. last year. And and the opener against Cincinnati this year, I mean, KJ Jefferson was a absolute monster against Cincinnati yeah. in the opener this year. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that. Um, oh, yeah. I like Arkansas to win the game. I think Arkansas wins this game as well. Um, I thought, interesting stat, I was kind of looking at the stats and uh, I was looking at red zone efficiency and Texas A&M was at 100%. So I was like, man, that's kind of crazy. They've only had three trips in the red zone this year. So their offense has been very, has not been moving the ball very well. Um, I think Arkansas is just too much. I think that defense is going to be out there too much. I think they're going to wear them down and I think Arkansas uh, wins this game. Um, and Interesting. I would I would love to see the series go to a home and home. Um, I know they play it every year in Dallas, but I, I just feel like college football played like that. You're going to have that corporate crowd. It just takes a little bit away. So I would yeah. love to this go back to a home and home um, and not be played at Jerry World every yeah, year. Especially both these teams have have cool, fun home environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So then kind of the last part, I, I was going to put somebody on upset watch. I don't know if you guys have somebody to put. On oh, upset. yeah, I got somebody. But uh, my, so I'm putting USC on upset watch this week. USC is going up to Corvallis, Oregon. Oh. Oregon be a better team than they've been in the past. I think, uh, I think USC better watch out this week. I think Oregon State could uh, shock some people. So I'm putting USC on upset watch this week. All right. I, I got one for you. Iowa State hosting Baylor. Give me Iowa State. Okay. Uh, the, the home team in this matchup has won four straight. And Baylor is one and six straight up as the road dogs. Ooh. So give me, give me this game, Iowa State, baby. I, I, I think they're going to come in. I think they're going to win a close one, 24-21. But yeah, I think Baylor is going to go down when they go to Iowa State. Tough place to play. And Campbell's one of the best coaches in college football. I got two for you. Um, whoa, one, hey, whoa, two. One is uh, the classic Pac-12 team coming off a big win always loses to Stanford, so Washington will lose to Stanford. Um, that just is how the Pac-12 works. Uh, the other one is uh, Anthony's Michigan Wolverines losing to Tua's brother in Maryland. Uh, Maryland's slinging it right now, slinging the ball. Uh, and Michigan has played against like my little sister and and me and Nick and Bishop Sycamore. Uh, so they're resting on their laurels. They're going to play a real football team that has been slinging the ball around. Uh, I think Maryland's going to going to surprise them, get out on them early, and hold on to win. I'm going to throw in another one since you gave uh, two, and I'm going to. It's going to be proof that the Michigan Wolverines did not play a, a bunch of cupcakes in UConn. It's going to go on the road and beat NC State. Corner right there. Yeah, UConn's going to lose by fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I feel like that was a. On tilt pick right there. Yo, Stanford was, always was, beats the Pac-12 team coming off a big win. That was more of like a fight or you know flight pick where I just yeah. got all just angry and I just picked it. Yeah, but I do believe in Iowa State, so keep that one. I like that one. I do like that one too. All right, fellas. Well, I think that kind of is all we got for this week. Um, it was a beautiful opener. Yeah. First episode of VMQU in the books. Thank you guys. Um, I hope. People enjoyed this, and uh, we'll be back here next Tuesday. Talk about it again.
Yes, all right, sir. Coach and, uh, uh, watch all of our other shows this week. We got yeah. Patriots coming up. Pat stands Inc. on Thursday. Uh, we got EMQ bets on Thursday. Me and Zach are on absolute fire right now on EMQ yes. bets. Absolutely smoked to the two Monday night games, seven, two and one in bets. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't be betting with us. Just cleaning up, making that money, getting that internet money. Um, Anthony's going to be coming in hot with wild jets optimism Friday night for Friday night flight. Um, he had a celebration show last night. I sure did. I popped the it's, bottles. It's, yeah. it's a fun time to be a Jets fan. And they've got the Bengals who are on the ropes this weekend. If the Jets beat the Bengals this weekend, we might done the Bengals. The Bengals yeah. are absolutely on the ropes. Um, and could there be a QB controversy in New York if the Jets can beat the Bengals? Uh, yeah, what else do we got? I don't know. We got the main show, EMQ Saturday, and then yep. we got a full slate of NFL games, and we'll be back uh, back with EMQU next week. We're doing this thing on Tuesdays, right? Everyone yep. like and subscribe, retweet the stuff, comment on everything. Speaking uh, of Zach, too, you can also on Monday night next week. Oh, yeah, go night, watch Zach's diatribe up. last night. It was awesome. Yeah, Zach went on an stuff. hour and 20 minutes straight diatribe, and it was, like, brilliant. It was a wonderful thing <laughs> yeah, about the great. Niners, about Niners Twitter being just a hostile environment. Uh, <laughs> the tray, It's divided like House of the Dragon, like Game of Thrones. There's the Trey, Trey faction and the Jimmy faction. A wild place to be in San Francisco. You wouldn't imagine there'd be a franchise that hates – going to the NFC championship as much as that one, but they sure do. Uh, Zach breaks that down for you on late night Niners. It's uh, that's about all we got folks, right? He was, he was not looking good today. Put him on his deathbed. He is. Uh, oh no, really they've got Zach on his deathbed. He gave it his all last night. He put it all on the field for the team. I mean, the man talked for one hour and 20 minutes nonstop. I don't know how he did it, man. That's thing. tough. It was that's an incredible tough. thing. And uh, they wore him right out. All right, guys. Uh, this has been great. Nick. Yeah. I'm loving the show. I'm ready yes, to roll. Let's, uh, let's hope like good things happen this weekend in college football. All our teams win except Anthony's, I guess, because I picked against them. Yeah. All right, let's do it. <laughs> the show has to.